I'm Isander, and I am Coda, and today we are going to be talking about the Eldar. The Eldar, or if you are part of GW's marketing slash legal team, the Eldari with an AE. Yeah, um, which to be fair, to be fair, I've seen a commenter point out the very valid reason that things are hyper specific with 40k is because it helps you when you're finding things. Because if you try and find space dwarves. Good luck narrowing that down at all. However, if you narrow it down and type in the Leagues of Votan, you will find that. You'll find the Leagues of Votan. Every single time. So, you know, A, it's easier for us to find it, and B, it's how they stay in business. But, however, for the purposes of simplification, Eldar, Eldari, Drukari, whatever you want to call them, they're elves. They're just elves. They're elves in space. <laughs> because, listen, I could sit here... And this is, it's kind of the sin of 40k, but not really, because it's the joy. It's why it's such a rabbit hole, because you can just get sucked into it. And no matter what faction you like, there are characters with names and stories and lives that are really worth reading and enjoying. However, it's really scary when somebody asks about, hey, what do those guys do? And then they get 200 proper nouns thrown (laughs) at them. (laughs) And they are scared away clean. So for the purposes of avoiding that, we will just be, it's just elves in space with a 40k twist to them. It's really simple. It's, they have the usual trappings of fictional elves, which is really, really long lives that go on forever. They're a bit taller than people, a little bit lankier than your average person. They're hoity and toity. Yeah, actually. um, They have the pointy ears. They have the whole nine. You look at... It's, it's Tolkien's fault. <laughs> He's changed. It's Tolkien's fault. It always goes back. Listen, before Tolkien, elf used to be any fae creature. Like, you would have the wood elf, the tree elf, the river elf, the, yeah. the elk elf or something. I've heard the, the elves and nymphs. We're very, very close. They yeah. were eating each other's real estate. For it was. A while it there. was like a, this is. A, I think. I'm not sure. This is like a spirit of something. Yeah, it was the general vibe, and then Tolkien mm-hmm. really, well, Tolkien, and then the wider fantasy just really hammered home what certain things are. Basically, f- for all intents and purposes, the Eldar would not die unless it was a workplace accident. Old age was not something that got them. Meanwhile. Your average person who looks at an Eldar wouldn't really be able to process what happened. There are Eldar who move faster than Marines can keep track of. Oh. So, your average Joe? Duh. Not faster than them. Faster than they can keep track of. Yeah. And their brains are made to keep track of something. <laughs> Let me be fair. Before the comments come in... They're very specialized Eldar. It's not every Eldar. Space Marines still sweep. I know, I know, I know. Trust me. I like the Ultramarines. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, but for the for the purposes of your average person, they will beat you so handily and so quickly, you won't be able to process it. This has given them a little bit of an uncanny valley feeling in the wider plot of 40k because they're very human in appearance you look at them and you're like "Mm, it's a guy it's a guy but the way they think the way they act the way they feel is very alien to the human experience so it's fairly hard to write about really well so while they do get screen time nobody's debating that the quality of that screen time (laughs) there's a debate right there (laughs) there there there's a, a debate right there um from from the beginning, if you look at it from a very specific angle, it really does look like the Eldar were supposed to be the protags of the setting. 
because they were they were created by this race called the old ones. They're hyper powerful, but vaguely irrelevant for this episode. I'm gonna be honest. They are the ones who created the orcs, the robots. They are a big part of why 40k is the way it is today, despite not doing anything for the past ever. Well, they didn't create the robots, but they kind of it's kind of necessitated the robots. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 their fault in a way. But before we get into that, a word from today's sponsor, you guys. <laughs> That's right. Uh, that is how we keep this show afloat. We are taking a page straight from PBS. We continue with support straight from you guys. <laughs> so for all of you already on Patreon.com slash Coda, thank you very much. And for those of you who don't know yet, you can actually get a bonus episode there every single week. Ones that will never hit YouTube, I think, probably. Well, some of them are impossible to hit YouTube. Yeah, that's where the Slanish episode hides. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Oh, man, it's tough. It's tough. And honestly, probably where the Dark Eldar episode will go, too. But you also get access to the community Discord. You get access to community streams and a bunch of other perks, all while helping us keep all these lights on. Because that's there are quite a, a bit of them. jarring thing to me to this day. Yeah, maybe so, more to be added. So if you want more of what you already love and you want to help us keep going, head on over to patreon.com slash Coda. For those of you already there, thank you very much. For those of you doing that as I speak, thank you very much. Now, let's get back into the beginnings of the Eldar when they had big chosen one energy. <laughs> they were literally born to combat threats during a time known as the War in Heaven. <laughs> really cool name. I, nobody's debating that. Such a cool name. Again, vaguely irrelevant. Vaguely irrelevant. What you need to know is this war was started by a bunch of cancer-ridden curmudgeons who got really f mad when they found out two things. A, God is real, and B, he will not give you the cure to cancer. So they decided to have a row about it and kill them over this, pairing with cosmic horrors to do this. It went about as well as you would expect. However, the gods wound up losing. So, well, they were on the ropes. They didn't lose outright. So they created a bunch of races to try and to fight their wars on stop their them, back. Stop them, stop them, stop them, stop them, stop them. Exactly. Each side was ramping with more and more abominations over and over and over. Back then, orcs weren't the big menacing brutes that they are today. They were larger and smarter, too. It was the unholy combination of somebody who is tall, fit, and unbearably intelligent. What do you do against that? Like, either be a meathead that, uh, you know, I can cope with that, or be incredibly smart, but like a breeze could kill you, to you know? To be fair, the orcs nowadays, even being meatheads, are still a problem. Yeah, back then it was a different thing. It was like Dolph Lundgren running around, basically. Who, by the way, just found out recently, has a, has a PhD in chemical engineering and went to MIT looking like that? To be fair, to be fair, when you're a bodybuilder, you almost need to be a dietitian to make it work. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot, it's a lot of effort and some gear. <laughs> and some gear. It's hard work too, but it, it, it things back then felt uncontestable and unfair. <laughs> and they were no exception back then. They were unparalleled psychers. The war kept on raging though, and... While the cosmic horrors won, kinda, they wound up being counter-backstabbed by those cancer-ridden curmudgeons and being sealed away. So, really, the winners were the survivors. And mm -hmm. in this case, it was the Eldar, because everyone else was 
really not in a good state after the, that. The orcs had the brains beat out of them, and who else did the who else did the old ones create? Well, the the Necrons were also the the front line force, <laughs> so they just lost by virtue of being the guys in the trenches. They had to go and hide. Meanwhile, the Eldar, while everyone else was waning, the Eldar were very much so waxing, and it was a major problem for everyone but them. For them, things were great. I mean, if you're the Necrons, they hid. <laughs> they, they went, went away. They went away out of fear of the Eldar and a few other things. They went nappy-poo. But if you were the Eldar at this time, things were great. Terraforming had been mastered, medicine, entertainment. It was a golden age that nobody except for maybe the Imperium's gone. Things were great. They were canon unstoppable. They had more worlds than the Imperium has ever had. They were him. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing was a real threat. Even death was just a... Eh. It was just a mild inconvenience. They, they, were, they had it all. However, go try and grow anything without a little bit of rain. And you will quickly discover that for things to flourish, they do occasionally need pain every now and then. You know, every there. Have you ever read a story and enjoyed it where the protagonist is born, life is great, life is great, life is great, and then they die? Come on, there's got to be some struggle. There's got to be some strife. Only Victorian age novels go that that bland. Yeah, exactly. If if there is. I'm of the opinion. And that's and because the Victorians were living the chaos. They needed... <laughs> they needed the escapism. <laughs> they needed the escapism. I'm of the opinion, and maybe it's because, you know, everybody has to cope somehow. This might be my cope. But suffering is what gives life its meaning. It's the thing you have to struggle against. Because without it, it's just empty. It's really hard to cherish something if you know it's going to be there forever and ever and ever. Amen. You know, you'll you'll take things. I mean, think about it. In our mortal lifespans, we take people for granted who will die, and that's unknown. It's not like oh, you know, maybe he's gonna no. They everyone no, it, you ever know and ever will know will die. Everyone is shuffling towards the end of the mortal coil, and we still take them for granted. This is your reminder: call your grandparents. <laughs> <laughs> so. If if that can happen to us with our rather fleeting lifespans, because I'll be honest, our trips on this rock, they don't feel as long as they actually are. Imagine what it must feel like if everything was never ending. There is nothing is fleeting anymore. It's going to be great. Like, think about it. You have 500 years where food will just arrive at your door every day. You perfectly have a six pack without any effort. It never rains ever, ever. Things are great. For those first 500 years, you're going to take up model painting. It's going to be great. The pile of shame will no longer be gray. You'll be able to do water bases and they look good. But then what? I'll finally get through my YouTube watch later playlist. And then what? <laughs> <laughs> and then what? You you have no reason to leave because everything just arrives at your door. You'll never get sick. Nobody ever, you ever know will die. If you ever have a minor disagreement with someone like your neighbor, he's immortal. That petty grievance will continue for the next thousand years. And eventually both of you are going to get bored. It really really gets old not fast but it will get old and so eventually one day you'll be out and you'll think we haven't tried the weed whacker in the bedroom yet <laughs> <laughs> the weed whacker why not i have this is the 10 millionth time i've mowed this lawn why not 
that's at least new. Maybe it'll bring an end to things. The weed whacker. Okay. And so it continues. It goes from the weed whacker to the toolbox, and any harm that is done will be fixed later. So it, it doesn't matter. It just keeps going and going until what started as a morbid curiosity fueled by boredom just became sadism. There's really the only saving grace for the Eldar at this time, because they were doing a lot of stuff, they were t- they were painting the town red, um, is the fact that effectively you weren't doing permanent harm to anyone. They really had medicine down pat. They really had death down pat. It doesn't matter if you brought a jackhammer in with you, he's going to make it. It was not at all a problem. It was not a problem at all. You said they were painting the town red. Listen, I know how this story ends. No, they were painting this town peppermint. Oh. Oh. Oh, I hate that. This is the curse of you knowing 40k. This is the curse of me knowing 40k. Regardless, under the weight of this ever-continuing spiral of... I mean, there's no really word for it. Sin. spiral. No, no, sin. It's just under the weight of all this sin, everything collapsed in on itself and out popped the single thirstiest god. Or hungriest. Oh, no, it's thirst. Oh no! This is this is. Thirst. Oh no! I got the title wrong. It is they who thirst. Yeah, it's she who thirsts. They. It's it, whatever it is. It immediately killed eight in ten Eldar. Off rip. There was no chance. There was no debate. There was no consent to be seen for light years. It was just immediate, and it wasn't just the Eldar who went, but. The Pantheon. The Pantheon didn't do well either. <laughs> Slanesh got the gods too? Well, much like yours truly, gods in 40k are fueled by clout. <laughs> it's it's very real. The more followers you have, the stronger you become. And if we lived in 40k, for example, I'm fairly certain things would just start floating around Mr. Beast at this point. It's... It, it, it's really funky how it works. There's a reason people think the emperor could become a god after the 10,000 years of worship he's had <laughs> and sacrifice too. And the Eldar are no exception. They're actually very psychically powerful, which is part of why they were able to create a god out of debauchery. But that also means they're able to create gods out of other things, you know, war, healing. That entire pantheon that overnight lost eight in 10 of their subscribers to Slanesh. <laughs> Immediately, without any say, as it turns out, four-hour video essays are really hard to beat. With that happening, what can one do except fade into obscurity? Which is what every single one did. Getting decked one by one, and just being footnotes in history. With, with a few exceptions, their god of war went down swinging. Obviously, um, I mean, it's kind of war. Uh, their laughing god pulled the buzz, the good old buzzer hand trick, so he got away with it too. So he, those two made it. Uh, there's another one, their god of healing. She wishes she didn't make it. <laughs> it's yeah. It was. It was. That would have had to be like a. Thinking about it, that would have had to have been a a really hard fall because the Eldar were using medicine to get away with all of their debauchery, which means. She was powerful. Oh, yeah. And then to be taken down that far? 
all their gods, let me be clear, all their gods were hilariously powerful. It, they were so strong, there are some theories around that they may have been super weapons in and of themselves. They, all their gods were potent threats. It's just hard to contest with something that would wind up. So you know the way the galaxy in 40K is ripped in half right now? Mm-hmm. The first tear in that sheet of paper was Slanesh's birth. Yeah. So it's really hard. The Eye of Terror was single-handedly just like that. Yeah, it's really hard to contest something that fundamentally alters an area's physics. <laughs> Forever. Because that thing's not closing. If anything, it's gotten bigger. And that's why the Eldar are so nomadic today. Because you have to understand, it wasn't just the death of 8 and 10 Eldar. That'll, that'll, that's a massive mortal loss that level of law imagine if eight eight out of ten people you know pass suddenly that's a huge deal that's a huge for everyone on the planet but it was also their spiritual death too because with them went their canon gods so slanesh beat them on every level imaginable and to this day every time an eldar passes and you know the soul begins to levitate from the body a few inches, Slanesh comes in with an RKO and takes it. <laughs> Immediate. Every single time. There is no Eldar safe from their reach, no matter where you happen to be. It's just like you go and then your soul just like... Yeah, it, it doesn't matter how pious you are, how chaste you are. The devil has a hotline right to you. They know exactly where you live. They know exactly what you think about at night. And it's not a matter of if, but when. They will be there. Now, they, there are a few Eldar who saw the way the wind was blowing and decided to leave. They wound up fine. Ish. Yeah, ish. Ish. This is, this video's ish. Yeah. <laughs> this video's ish. Um, but everyone else, every Eldar is traumatized. <laughs> that's, that's, that's going to be the running theme as we okay, go over all these. Okay, who would it be? <laughs> yeah. Every, every Eldar is traumatized. But the ones who are... <laughs> The least traumatized of the bunch are the ones who went out on Exodus before things went crazy, becoming Exodites. If you really want to boil them down, I mean, the tin, you can you can tell what it does based it, on the it, tin. It's, it's Games Workshop. You can see the name and go, okay, I get it. Yeah, I but it. if you really want to boil them down, they're basically elf Amish. <laughs> if you really want to boil it down further, it's 40K's excuse to have wood elves. <laughs> that's that's why they exist. Is that why their armor looks bony? No, you're thinking of. I think you're. No, no. There's, there's another thing called wraith bone, and it's, it's a whole uh, thing. Okay, okay. It's yeah. a whole thing. That's not why they they look like wood elves. Traditional wood elves. You'll know them when you see them because they also ride dinosaurs. Listen. Oh yeah, they feature in the Infinite and the Divine. And Trazen and Orican just spend the entire book screwing with them. They're great. But yeah, they get, they get to ride these massive... They basically turned their backs on technology because oh, we've seen where that goes. <laughs> we have seen where winning the long game goes. So now we're just going to focus on survival. And we're going to fight for that basic right. Because it's... They had won the war in heaven, not through sheer strength, but through their tenacity. Through their willingness to survive despite it all. When... When the rubble settled and the dust passed, it was them who was left standing. So they believe that getting back in touch with that is the way out. And so they're 
not completely bass backwards, but they're pretty relative to the rest of the Eldar. They're pretty far back. I mean, the modern Eldar aren't really riding dinosaurs. Yeah, they, they, they're using projectiles, not shuriken casters. Uh, and these guys hunt for their food. They will function on tri- it's it's tribes. They're not an entire unified faction. It's very much so. No day is guaranteed. You must earn every single sunrise. It's really cool stuff and not just because they're elves riding dinosaurs though that gives them so many points this okay, I, that gives them so many points i really love I'm how so simple. silly 40k like 40k is literally like seven-year-old me mashing uh, um uh action figures together knights in space elves riding dinosaurs this is like a seven-year-old's fever dream and i love it it's great i love 40k i, I love it when they jump the shark deliberately because it's you have to take the over the top if 40k wasn't over the top it wouldn't be half as fun no and then sharks the space sharks it's like if if shark boys started taking trend oh that's an image but yeah not a wrong image either i i love if you don't yeah no 40k without the over the top nature really loses a lot of its fun it really loses a lot of its fun. Um, the ones next up are the closest to what the default Eldar would be like. At least they certainly think so. Who are the dark Eldar? <laughs> <laughs> I know I know a little bit about these guys already. Yeah. Uh, they are <laughs> if if you if you were to meet an Eldar in the moments before Slanesh popped up, they were behaving like the Dark Eldar were. They were they were the they were the guys who started with the weed whacker and you don't want to know how that end up ends up and I don't think YouTube could let us tell you how that ended up. Yeah, YouTube's been great for us. I don't think we could cover the Drakari well. <laughs> that one's a that yeah. one's pushing. It. Yeah, they they have a very because uh, like I said the the Eldar are very alien in their own way. They don't have the human experience. What mean you experience the deepest trenches of depression and the highest highs to them are melancholy. They experience emotions on an infinitely wider scale. So when an Eldar is sad, oh, that's got some impact. And when an Eldar is happy, well, it's also got some impact too. You pair that with the fact that they are massive. Because, you know, your average human is, is a psyker. No, they're not a psyker. But they are... Visible in the warp. It's why Chaos is constantly looking at them. Tower basically invisible. Eldar glow really brightly. (laughs) Eldar all glow really brightly. So you take all that together and it's what gave us the perfect storm that was the birth of an entire Chaos God. Nobody else has done that. Everyone else has fueled Chaos Gods, but nobody's outright created one except for these guys. And the Dark Eldar were in this pocket of space called Kamarach, which is isolated in the webway, which the webway in and of itself is such a good thing for the Eldar. Everyone else really struggles to go faster than light. It's a gamble. It's 50-50 at best. Not great. There's 101 cutscenes of humans having a rough day, just trying to get to work. And if the demons don't get you, there's a chance you'll arrive at the wrong time. Like a thousand years too late. That happens sometimes. The Eldar through the webway 
get to travel for free anywhere faster than light. Because it's not quite in the warp, but it's not quite in the material realm either. It's this labyrinth right in between. And that's where these guys were when Slanesh popped up. And it's because of that that they managed to survive. Slanesh still touched them. But like I said, it doesn't matter where you are. If you're an Eldar, you Slanesh has... Had an impact on you. Yeah, she. they have their big meaty paws on you. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about that. And feeling this, because I imagine it, it, your, your day would change if you suddenly felt Satan's hands on your shoulder forever. They set about trying to fix this. And while they were thinking of a solution, they... Well, you don't want to get bored while you're thinking. I need to think. So come on, bring out the guys. Let's flay them. <laughs> but these were the Eldar right beforehand. They, they need to pass the time. They need to think. I need to clear my head. Exsanguinate him. Bring out my thinking flayed. Exactly. And as they use their thinking flayed, they realize the grip lightened up a bit. Hmm. Somehow, by exacting suffering on others, they can stall for time. And so... They doubled down. Everyone else took a step back after Slanesh's birth and went, right? Let's rethink things a little bit. Maybe we should start using protection. <laughs> that, that was the general consensus post-Slanesh. These guys tripled down. They said skin's too much protection. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, oh no it's 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 not oh, great that that's an image right there, there are god i want to credit the novel but i'm forgetting right now but there's a scene where somebody strikes a deal with the dark eldar and they completely rip him apart while he's still alive exsanguinate him put him back together better and then move on i mean to be fair he was helping them out so and think about it. To get away with what they get away with, they still are very good at medicine. <laughs> they, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say the Dark Eldar are probably, ironically enough, the best doctors out and oh, about. Probably. Because they, some of the displays they have are... They have a, a guy with his bones separated from his musculature, separated from his nerves, separated from his skin. Like, you know those... those um. Oh, I'm forgetting the word. You know those museum pieces where they take something and then they 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 cross-section it and blow it up? Mm -hmm. they, they have one of those with a person and every layer of a person, and he's alive. Oh, God. He's alive. Oh, some. God. That's how good their medicine is. The definition of a... If you look up a mortal wound, a human in that position is probably going to pop up. Their nerves have been separated from their everything. Yeah, it probably sucks, but he's alive the entire time. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, thank you. Uh, they probably don't believe in anesthetic, so you really don't want a dark Eldar doctor. But they could probably fix whatever's wrong with you, so... Listen, 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 listen. When I was a kid, I had, like, a cavity so bad I had an exposed nerve. A single exposed nerve. Ugh. And that was bad. Mm. To have all of them exposed? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this is how they avoid Slanesh's grip. <laughs> By constantly inflicting the worst you can imagine on people. Like, let's make that guy shuffle on his knees on the floor made of cheese graters. Should be funny. And, and that's what they get up to on a daily basis. There's very little you want to be caught by in 40k. These guys are at the very top of that list. I would rather be caught by any Space Marine chapter than these guys. Listen, at least the Tyranids will just eat me quickly. 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> Worst case scenario, you get like alien acid spat on you. That's pretty bad, but you know, the Dark Eldar got creative. They, they can make you into furniture. Everybody's so creative. Wow, look at how differently different this is. Yeah, and that's before we even get into how they choose to decorate their city, which is... It gives Vegas the deepest sense of envy. I mean, from the fact that the architecture doesn't need to make sense, because these are Eldar, they are very advanced, so they can have buildings at a 90-degree angle, and it's just fine, and it's like, oh, wow, we haven't seen that before, that's pretty neat. And in every floor of every building, unspeakable acts are happening. It's just the worst. You look at their city, and you look at the art for it, yeah, that tracks. Yeah. It's menacing. Uh, uh, literally, all it needs is maybe a sphere blinking every now and then, and you'll know where it is. <laughs> it's it's not great. Uh, they are fully impossible to cover in YouTube, at least if you want to do it properly. It's almost impossible. And they are not the only ones to have made it. Because the running theme for the rest of the Eldar is just going to be, how do we stave off Slanesh? Because... It's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you've seen how the Hicks do it by completely abandoning technology. You've seen how the heathens do it by doubling down. Tripling down. Quadrupling down. Yeah. Even. Um, and then there are the craft world, who have a more moderate approach. They're very, they're very aesthetic. They're very... They have turned around from their ways before. And a big reason why is because the original craft world Eldar lived on these massive ships that were sent out on long, slow journeys. And because these journeys took so long, the ships had to be able to sustain life all by themselves. They had to be self-sufficient, almost like a planet with boosters on it. They're generational ships. Except the Eldar live so long, it's not generational. Oh. Well, but, then, yeah. Never mind. It's, it's a generational ship for people who will live for generations. And so these guys went out, and when they came back, what are you guys doing with a weed whacker? <laughs> Whoa, when did we get here? And so while everyone else was, because it's the whole frog in boiling water thesis, everyone else was just in the water as it got warmer and warmer and warmer. These guys weren't in the pot at all and came back to it boiling. So they, they skipped town immediately and took anyone who was still vaguely sane with them. Which is good, because they avoided the worst of Slanesh's birth, but some of the craft worlds did get got in that big explosion. Because it was a massive explosion. Eight and ten. And to construct a craft world was a feat of engineering even for the prime Eldar. So the modern Eldar really don't like losing these things. <laughs> They're pretty much irreplaceable. Fun fact, though, it's one of the few things the Imperium will not immediately swing at. Really? Oh, yeah. Out of respect for the Eldar or out of, I don't want to swing at the bee's nest? Eldar and the Imperium have a very interesting relationship because they both really hate chaos. But the Imperium hates anything that's not humans. And the Eldar look down on anything that's not Eldar. So they don't hate each other per se. But if chaos didn't exist... They certainly wouldn't like each other at all, you know? <laughs> that doesn't mean they don't fight, because they, they do. They do. They Oh, they it's, do. The of, I know the Imperium well enough to know they'll start something. However, 
they will also work together fairly often. And so to take out a craft world would put you on every other craft world's list immediately. And for that reason, you don't want to do it. B, the sheer amount of resources it would take. Because these craft worlds are... It's not just a floating planet. It's a fortress that's alive. It's like poking the bee's nest. It really would be just kicking hornets. Sure, you could do it. The Imperium has almost infinite resources. They could put their full back into it and take out a craft world. But then... Everyone else in the galaxy would just look at them. I mean, think about it. They're dealing with the actual bugs in the corner right now. They mm-hmm. don't. They can't full send in a no, one. No, they, they, they can't. If they can't afford to do that, because they're constantly fighting everyone. If they were to focus down one, they would a shoot their only tenuous ally at best in the mouth, and b immediately make themselves a target to everyone else, including the other floating craft worlds. So they just. They leave it be. They will deal with craft world fleets as they show up because they still hate the elves because they're really pompous, but they will not deliberately go after the craft worlds. It's actually an important point because if the Imperium knew where uh, the Dark Eldar's main city was, they could probably take it out too. But again, it would take just so much spine to do it that they would leave themselves defenseless in the process, or at least vastly weakened when they're already losing at every front. I mean, we've all seen the cinematic of Gilliman just seeing world Scrolling after world red, after world red, after world. Red, they they red. can't afford it right now. Um, they also, the craft world, aside from just really calming down, really really keeping things vanilla for the rest of their living days, uh, they have these things called spirit stones, and their whole gig is just to suck their soul out the second they die and just store it there faster than Slanesh can get to it. Because she who thirsts. It's kind of like um. It's kind of like a uh, the same thing as the people who are like paying like however much money to freeze their bodies until we have like more advanced medicine. But the spiritual version of that. Yeah, yeah. So that's how they get away with the whole slanesh problem. Uh, the craft worlds, though still have to deal with the physical threat of chaos because it is a very physical threat. Um, I think my favorite story to show how beefy craft worlds are as as a whole, the ship, is there is one that did not immediately... It was just far enough to not get blown up when Slanesh spawned in, but not far enough to escape the event horizon. And so it was stuck orbiting the Eye of Terror for thousands of years, and it was fine. Yeah, they... They held out the entire time. Huh. To be fair, there are whole sections of the ship that are just sealed off full of demons, so I wouldn't say fine, but they still managed. They survived. They survived. Altered forever, slightly paler, and very pragmatic, but they survived. So that that goes to show part of why the Imperium would need to try very hard to take out one of those. It's not impossible. It would just take a lot of effort. The next stop on our list are the Harlequins, who escaped Slanesh, through comedy gold <laughs> they have a whole episode already and they worship the laughing god who together with all of that kind of just gives them a theater kid vibe if you really want to boil it down they, they move in in these things called masks and they put on performances which are very lethal for everyone involved <laughs> and there are not too many of them but those that do exist are mortifying i mean 
at their the highs of the Harlequins are things that could probably go toe to toe with custodies without losing immediately, which is a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, because the co- the custodies are uh, yeah something else. Yeah, they are the guys who guard the Canon Black Library and are focused on setting up the funniest joke on 40k. I'm not joking. It's this thing called the final act, and it is a massive... It's the punchline that to a joke that has been building for thousands of years that will kill Slanesh somehow. They are literally God's silliest clowns preparing to act out his funniest joke. Yes, on Slanesh specifically, where they, they will somehow get Slanesh to use all of their power to save the Eldar instead of killing them. How, How that's that going to play out? out, nobody knows. However, that's the vague plan. What does matter, what we do know, is they recruit from all the sub-factions of Eldar. You can, they will go to Craft World and take people, well, not take, it's pretty willing. They'll go to Dark Eldar and take them too. They, they recruit from a very wide, what? I could just, I could just imagine that in my head, just like a Harlequin going to like the Dark Eldar. Listen, listen, listen. We're looking for a new role in our in our performance, um, but none of us are willing to wear leather. Can you? Oh, they've got that in the bag. Can you you got us? Yeah, okay, sweet. They have leather pillowcases. <laughs> they have that in the bag. Uh, the man pack. The human bag. Yeah, they have that too. The 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 thing of note about them, the most remarkable thing, other than their incredible weaponry and the warriors they have is the fact that despite how holier than thou every Eldar is they will stop and listen when the Harlequins speak they may not do what they say but they will hear them out they will at least sit down and go okay what what are you what's the deal here and then they'll decide from there pretty much nobody else can get all the Eldar to agree on something like that. So they fill a very fun and unique role, and they also have a very fun aesthetic that I'm very fond of. It's very silly. It, it really is. Despite, however, how powerful all of that may sound to you, they suffer from the same curse that most Eldar do, which is being vaguely relevant. <laughs> <laughs> because at, at their best, their relevance is questionable, I mean, it's maybe they were involved there. Maybe they were involved there. At their worst, they're doing nothing at all. Nothing that matters. The bright side of it, though, is whenever Slanesh tries to come and grab their souls, Kegrak arrives with a boxing glove arrow and <laughs> takes it. So that's good for them. They instead get to join the Laughing God. He jumps in front of them with a pistol, and Slanesh is like, oh no, please don't shoot. He shoots it. Bang! It's just a flag that says bang, and by the time by the time Slanesh has realized that they haven't been shot, he's already gone with Soul in tow. Yep. That's a, I love Kegrax so much. <laughs> Kegrak's great. Uh, next up on the list are the ones who kind of break the trend of being vaguely irrelevant, and they're the newest ones on the block, the Yinari, or the Reborn, whichever you want to call them. They worship the Eldar God of Death, and they have really lofty goals. It's part of why they're actually really relevant, kind of. <laughs> they don't They don't just want to survive, they want to thrive. Why should we be focused on just making it? 
we've already done that. We've made it. Let's see how far we can actually go. And so they want to win the war against Slanesh by any means necessary. And they're willing to call in a whole god to win this war. Slanesh has had it way too good for way too long at WrestleMania. It's something like 27 now. Somebody needs to stop them. And so they are really focused on trying to bring this god back with actually multiple plans to do this. This has led to them kind of filling the same niche as a Harlequin, where they're uniting a bunch of Eldar because they're offering a way out. They have a couple of ways out. And so even some Harlequin have abandoned the mask to go or abandoned their troop to come. Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. Some have left for the Inari. A few. I thought the Harlequin gig was like, you're there for life. To be fair, it's a really good gig. It's it, a really good, a gig. really good but gig. But this is a new thing. Nobody's ever offered this before. I mean, the clown, Kagarak, already survived Slanesh, so we know that one works. But nobody suggested bringing in a new fighter because we already know Kagarak can't win mano y mano. That much is known. I mean, he's been doing really, really good. But, but he's not winning. So yeah. why, why don't we try something new? Maybe How, get him a, get him some help. Let's 2v1 this. Yeah. However, the detractors of this plan um, think it's utterly impossible and kind of insane. <laughs> because plan A is either bring this god back by gathering all of the infinity stones. In this case, they're called crone swords. And if all of them are assembled with a little bit of magic... Out comes a new god. It's really good. Very convenient. I quite like that. Downside is, the last of those knives is Slanesh's favorite kitchen knife, stored in their bedroom. So, good luck getting that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's plan A. That's the best plan. Plan B is what I know you're all infinitely curious about. So there, please uh, take a seat, and I will explain it to you. But before that, could you please uh, sip the Kool-Aid I poured for you? That'd be great. Hmm. The answer is Jonestown. The answer is Heaven's Gate. Every Eldar has to die. And then, in theory on paper, the God of Death will come back and bring them back with him. However, that's a hell of a gamble. That's... That's, that's a hell of a gamble. An extremely huge gamble. Yeah. You can imagine... Why? That's a hard sell for the rest of the Eldar. Yeah, you want us to do what? You What? These are the people who don't want to sacrifice a craft world, and you're telling us to all jump off the cliff together. <laughs> no. N no. Listen, are we Eldar or are we lemmings? <laughs> exactly. And so even though it sounds completely insane, both plans sound completely insane, um, plan B sounds more feasible than plan A. Because here's the problem. Here's the problem with plan A. Nobody's broken into Slanesh's home and made it out. Nobody's ever completed a home invasion there. It just, it's not how it works. There's so many layers of protection. And you'd be going where they're strongest. It really wouldn't end well for anyone, and it hasn't ended well for anyone. Plan B has worked on one person. Uh, huh? Gilliman. Ah. Yeah, these Eldar are the reason we got Gilliman back. So... That's, I know they had to kill him to bring yep. him back, but... They, the Eldar, outright killed one of the Emperor's sons. They did that Hard. through his, through their god of death? Yep. Huh. And a little bit of, there's, there's a little bit of help from other people too, but it was, it yeah. was their god that brought him back. So, it's worked once, and it's worked on a demigod, so that's... That's a... 
It makes it seem doable, right? That's something to put on the brochure, at least. Exactly. Like, you know, it's not that bad. It's cherry flavored. Drink it. Come on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the the That's the upside to it. The downside to this is they brought back a Primarch. A, that's a massive buff for the Imperium, who are not their friends. They're just not their main enemy. And B, Space Marines have this fantastic habit of walking into a room and every spotlight immediately like <laughs> turns to them forcibly without anybody saying anything else. As you can imagine, their dads have this effect on a massive scale. So the moment Gilliman was brought back, they damned themselves to irrelevance because <laughs> nobody cares anymore. I'm so sorry. There is not an Eldar model you could have released that could outsell the rebirth of Gilliman. First of all, it's one of the best models out there, and that's a lot of biased talking, I know. But B, they'd have to refresh the entire Eldar catalog to maybe outsell a Primark coming back. I think to bring them to relevance, they would need to. They would need to confirm the Gilliman Yvrain allegations via a mini, <sighs> a custom mini. That that would make them relevant again. Oh God! And <laughs> and on the topic of the Eldar's minis too, it's it's pretty tough for them on that front because some of their molds are so old. The Caprio's looking around now. Yeah, they 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 have. It's, it's gotten better. It's gotten better. They've gotten newer ones, but there's still a few floating around that are so old they can drink, vote, and drive. There's some that can run for the house. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's <laughs> not great. It's pretty tough. So when you look at all of that and then you see Gilliman enter stage left, okay, yeah, they're done. They, they were finished. It, yeah. They've gotten a few short stories. They've gotten a little bit of stuff, but ever since Gilliman came back and they helped him out, They've kind of just been in this holding pattern of, well, we either convince every Eldar to die, or we steal Slanesh's favorite kitchen knife. And I don't know how we're going to do either of those things. I have, to, I, I, have to, I have to think that with how wacky and weird and wild Slanesh's like, whole everything is, mm -hmm. that their house has to be the most like banal normal suburban like barbie's playhouse level like small house <laughs> just like it, it it has hedges the hedges are pretty well trimmed you know it's it's got two floors that's nice it's it's, it's, it's a nice house not everything that surrounds them. i think that's the funniest reality that you could I, I could totally see that. All the things you have to get through, and then you get to Slanesh's house, and there's just, like, a Toyota Camry parked out front. Maybe that's why nobody leaves, because Slanesh is just like, oh, sh you're here. Listen, I just finished baking, like, a pie, and there's a casserole, too. You want to come over for dinner? And then they just stay over. Like, she's got a guest room, and they just all just, like, pile in there. I promise you, right now, you do not want to eat anything Slanesh gives you <laughs> at all. Are we talking are we talking uh, Sweeney Todd's meat pies or I'm talking it would make it would make what Cosby did look like a little league game. You do not want any of that. 
on so many levels you don't want that. That's like I would rather get into a boxing match with corn than that. That's terrible. The moment you brought food into this, I knew it was going to be over. Because I don't want anything they're cooking. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't eat Slanesh's human bean casserole? Nope. <laughs> you, you, you do realize the Dark Eldar have turned someone into a living sentient soup as they were being drank. Yo. And those are the rookies. That's the minor leagues. Oh my god. That's not that's not the Hall of Fame. That's not the 10 time. <laughs> that's not Tiger Woods in his prime. That's just what the kids are doing. At recess. Oh, this isn't messy running around, dude. <laughs> it's bad. You don't want anything to do with what Slanesh would consider cuisine. Let, let me just say that. So I'm guessing you're not uh, subscribing to the everybody's just stuck in Slanesh's guest room because it's just it's just a nice place theory. No. <laughs> no. I heavily don't ascribe to that. Let me tell you that for free. I'm the opposite of ascribe to that. <laughs> but yes. The rebirth of Rumblebuff and Counterpunch has been very rough for the Eldar. Poor Eldar. Yeah, it's, it's really not great. It's also made a little bit rougher by a guy named Eldrad, who is the single most gifted of all the Eldar. A psyker, possibly the strongest psyker in the entire galaxy. Is he recent? Because his name sounds like a contraction of Eldar Chad. No, no, no. He's actually fair. He's really old. So Eldrad is not a contraction of Eldar Chad. No, but I do want Giga Chad out of him now. <laughs> That's what I will say. Yeah, he's he is canon, one of the strongest psychers ever, or so we've been told. He could, at least in the Eldar, he could be one of the strongest psychers in the galaxy. He's this thing called a Farseer. That means he can see the future. The Eldar have a few of these. But he's been able to see it with unparalleled accuracy. By his hand, he's diverted entire orc wars to save craft worlds huh mm -hmm. that's that's powerful it's it's really powerful he's killed millions of humans to save a couple thousand eldar they really value their lives yeah they really value their lives because they live so long i mean to be fair the humans really don't value their own lives yeah, they're okay with it like i was 12 anyway moving on the Eldar don't care. I was 12 anyway, moving. Yeah, that guy's not even experienced life. Joe's 500 years old. He's the best painter we have. We can't lose that. Let the toddler go. Oh. The, the, yeah, nobody's good in 40K. <laughs> nobody's good in 40K. He has also beaten Chaos's champion in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Yeah. And the only reason that there is a path to bring back the God of Death today is because he tried to jumpstart it early and could have succeeded. Yep. He okay, almost, what do you mean by jumpstart it early? Uh, he, he, he was trying because it's, it's been known that the God of Death will come back when all of them die, right? But he was like, that's stupid. No, I don't want to die. So let me try and uh, jumpstart this a little bit. And he did a massive ritual on a moon that immediately got the Imperium's attention because it was a huge ritual and so the Death Watch descended on him oh <laughs> yeah at mid-ritual by the way to bring back this god 
And he was like, no, wait, please stop. Jesus, I, if you let me finish, I promise you, Slanesh will die. And the Death Watch just said no. They didn't listen to that. No, did they, they? they did no. not. No. They did not care at all. And so the ritual was interrupted. However, it did kind of bring him back. It brought back enough of him for the God of Death to start seeking out a champion, which then led to Yvrain, who then brought back Gilliman. So he's a really big deal. Yeah. Eldrad is a really big deal. I would call that a big deal. He's... The poster boy for all the Eldar's problems. If you want to know what every Eldar fan mauls about at night, you have to look at Eldrad. If you want to know what every single Eldar hater mauls about when they see them, you just look at Eldrad. Because he is unquestionably intelligent, unquestionably powerful, and unquestionably arrogant. It's the worst combination. He will never, ever get humbled, and he makes the Emperor of Mankind seem small and humble relative to him. He's really unlikable. He's really unlikable. And when the story calls for it, he can back this. He walks the walk and he talks the talk, baby. He is that comma guy. Yes, when he can dish it back when multiple Marines arrive, he can alter the very arc of 40K's story, and he's done it multiple times. When the story calls for it. Uh, when it doesn't, well... He's in the corner. No, he's stupid. Uh, Eldred's unimaginably dense sometimes. To the point where he will see something that is almost obviously corrupted by Slanesh and not recognize it. The guy who can see the future looks at Emperor's children and goes, mm, not yet. <laughs> how? 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 And now you see why Eldar players mauled all the time. How? Yeah, this th that's the side of the coin that makes Eldar fans, all the wonderful people in the Legion who like them, mauled. The other side of the coin is when the story calls for him to be strong and he Millie rocks your favorite character. Just cause. And he's also, also a huge, huge sufferer of tell, never show. So we're told all of these things about Eldrad, all the powerful things he's done, but the moment a space marine is on screen, Eh, don't shoot me. Yeah. He fought off the Death Watch at least enough to get halfway through that ritual. He didn't kill any of them. Oh. <laughs> Marines get all this hype, and yeah. then they back it up. It's why they're so beloved. When Gilliman was brought back, he did not immediately run off screen, and we learned, oh, the Imperium is now 2% more efficient. He punched a Space Marine out of his armor. He juiced him. Yes. And then he proceeded to turn the tide of a war alone and has been just a consistent force. We're not told about how smart he is. We see it constantly. We see him playing different political games, knowing his limits. He's genuinely good at governance, and we get to see it. We are just told Ed Eldrad is smart. We are just told the Eldar are competent. We are just told that they are on the brink. We never see any of this. And part of it is because... With humans, there's the inherent advantage of we've all lived the human experience. You're living it right now. It's very easy for us Whoa, to write about. Am I? I'd hope so. Oh God! If if you're not, I would be very concerned. This whole podcast has had a Zeno to my left the whole time. Am I a synth? Oh God! 
so it's very easy for us to write about human plates. It's one of the reasons the Primarchs are so well done is because they're demigods who are human. They're grounded at their best. All of them have daddy issues. Without fail. <laughs> Pretty much all of them. And Gilliman turns to his mom when he's in his darkest moments. It's super duper touching and grounding stuff. The Eldar never get that. Because they operate different. They're fundamentally alien. And so it's very hard to put them in a position where you can empathize with them. It's also very hard to give them stakes. Because think about the Dark Eldar, right? You give them stakes. Something has arrived at their one home. They either have to win or they're gone. <laughs> That's it. The craft world, there's only so many of them. Less than 20, I'm fairly certain. If even one goes away, that's a huge deal. I mean, to be fair, that's not like a deep hole to write yourself out of. The Dark Eldar could be like a roving band of like, they could get, be given a post-apocalypse vibe where there's a roving tribe of like random BDSM elves out there. Already taken, they're called the Corsairs. They're just roving pirates. Oh, that's unfortunate. Well. See? Mm. See? Which is unfortunate because Warhammer 40k writers are really good. Listen, listen. Okay, I am new to 40k. The only book I've read so far is The Infinite and the Divine. I've watched centuries go by in that book. And yet somehow, somehow, Trazen and Orokin still re remain relatable. Yeah. Like when, when Trazen watched like a millennia worth of like his ancient, 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 ancient ancestors, like... Pri not even prized possessions, just some smoking pipes go down and smash to bits. Like, he doesn't have a physical heart, but I felt it skip a beat. It's possible. It's doable. They need better writers is what they need. I don't think they need better writers. I think the problem is, and I understand, and, and this is the very cynical part of me that can do the math. I understand Games Workshop's perspective because we've tried. We've brought back the Eldar. You know, we've really put them front and center, but then a Primarch was to the left of them, and they outsold them by <laughs> 10 leagues. So we have amazing writers on our staff. Do we have them write another Gilliman book that we know will sell out, or do we have them gamble and write an Eldar book that maybe people will buy? And so that's part of the problem. A lot of their best staff is really locked in with Marine stuff, and I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining at all. <laughs> However, it, it, it's one of the most consistent gripes about the Eldars. They, they kind of feel forgotten. Like, they need a Necron-level almost rejuvenation, because the Necrons got it really good with their rejuvenation. And, and they it, went from Terminators to, whoa, these guys are really cool. Right? They've remained one of my favorite factions since I started learning about 40k. Right? And it looked like when, you know, the whole Yanari thing was happening, the Reborn coming back, Gilliman coming back, it was like, whoa. They're getting their The Eldar are relevant again. There's a whole craft world with them, too, that's actually accomplishing things. They got a rejuve rack. And then the cycle continued. And now it's gone. I mean, but hey, I'll be fair. I'll be fair. They've been getting their models steadily updated. Um, thanks to the Yanari, I believe, now on the tabletop, because it's a united faction, you can have, like, Dark Eldar working with regular Eldar. And so you can have a really fun, weird army. So that's that's a really cool excuse to do like mixed mixed armies, right? You can also have Harlequins in there too because they take oh, them. They took them. Yeah, they also have really, really cool art. Really cool. Art. I've seen some of it. I'm seen. I've listen, listen. 
I get it. I get it. I get it. Yvrain is a meme at this point. Mm-hmm. But I do really like her outfit. Yeah, no, it's really the cool. The weird peacock aesthetic that she has going on. Oh, it's great. I like the weird massive cat she has. I didn't see the massive cat. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude, How okay. have I missed the massive cat? There's a lot about Eldar we didn't cover because, this, like I said, it's the tip of the iceberg. Uh, we didn't cover their pantheon. That could be an episode all to itself. The Dark Eldar are clearly an episode to themselves. Same with the Craftworld. Same with the Exodites. Same with the Yanari. It goes on and on and on. There's so much to them. This was just more of a quick snapshot. Just, you could explain this to your friends and they'd get like most of it. This is the general gist of the Eldar. And then from there, you know, you can do some digging on which ones call to you. Um, personally, I'm an, I'm, I, I'm an Imperium man. However, I know there's a bunch of you in the Legion who love the Eldar. And so, you know, everyone, everyone deserves their day. Everyone deserves their day. And if that's your aesthetic, that's your aesthetic. Regardless of how... They constantly fluctuate between being the most relevant things to the least relevant things. <laughs> it's undeniable that they are a very, very large part of 40k. And I really hope they do in the future get the, the Necron treatment. The little just like jump start they need. Because they're, I'd say they're really close. There's they're, a lot of cool concepts the, the there too. The being... a very good start. There's a lot of fun interesting things that they could do and i'd be very curious i mean i know it's going to kind of spite the eldar a little bit but you know like we could we could afford to lose like one or two craft worlds if it gets you a few books right like if it gets eldradas on series i mean think about it think about it your hero your classic absolute the classic hero's journey doesn't start without some random thing happening to make the hero go uh I mm-hmm. need to do something about this. And it doesn't continue without something along the middle to go, oh, I've been taken out. And then make the impact of like some god coming to help them even impactier. You're totally right. They need that kind of resolution and the whole arc to them. I, I really hope they get it. But also, now there's two Primarchs running around. So the odds are looking slim for all I'm going to be honest. So unfortunate. I love you all. It's kind of tough. Eldar Primarch Wen. They kind of have. Or Eldar X Primarch Wen. Yeah. Huh? Eldar X Primarch. Oh, God. I don't know. Maybe that could be. No, no, no. That brings an end to the episode. Beginning of the hero's journey that they need. No, that is not the hero's journey that anyone needs. It's a sentence. Tops. Regardless, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We will see you on Patreon for this week's episode. And then we will be taking a week break for the holidays. And we will return after that with the winner of the poll. The last two options are the Navy and the Dark Eldar. I guess this means you have extra time for the poll. So (laughs) if you Dark Eldar fans want to uh, maybe try and rally, because I'm sure the Imperial Navy is looking right now. (laughs) You've got that extra time. I won't say anything, but it's the Imperium is my answer, and I've made this mistake too many times now. I've learned my lesson. I've learned my lesson. I have. So we'll see who wins. Regardless, thank you as always Always for watching this video all the way to the end. It's a longer one, so no fracas, just because it's, this... it's, it's A, long, B, free!
frigid in here right now. Mm-hmm. If you look closely this whole episode, I've been vaguely shivering. It's Arctic. If you go in back, the studio. I don't know how well this shows up on camera, but I've been sitting. I've been sitting here, and I've seen like the fog leave his mouth when he like exhales. I'm mortified about the the state of the eyes that you may see this through because they could fog at any moment. Uh, yeah, just through sheer camera heat. Yeah. Regardless, thank you so much for watching this episode, and thank you as always for being you.